From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker and editor of the CQ Budget Newsletter. And joining me again this week is John Donnelly, CQ's award-winning defense reporter. Thanks for being here again, John. My pleasure, David. So this week, House Democrats plan to resist President Trump's emergency declaration to build a border wall with money that Congress never approved. The House is going to take up a resolution of disapproval, which would effectively nullify that emergency. We'll talk about that in a minute. But, John, you uncovered a surprising problem with Trump's border wall funding plan last week. Tell us what you discovered. Well, he's going to get more than $6 billion from the Defense Department budget to supplement the money that Congress appropriated, the $1.4 billion or so that Congress appropriated for the wall in fiscal 19. Uh, By the way, this is a down payment on a $25 billion project, which sometimes doesn't get mentioned. Right. Uh, So uh, a lot of this money was supposed to come from the Pentagon. Uh, $2.5 billion of it was supposed to come from a drug interdiction program that they have that funds the National Guard to help uh, civilian law enforcement agencies uh, combat drug trafficking. Reporters had been told that some money might have, might have needed to be moved in order because there wasn't enough money in that counter-drug program to get all $2.5 billion. But what I found out is that there's almost nothing left in the counter-drug program budget. They have spent nearly all of it, all but about $80 million of it now. And so, so they were counting on two and a half billion. Yes. Now what I disclosed is that they're going to have to get nearly all the two and a half billion from other military programs, which have yet to be identified. Which is kind of a shocker. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that the the fact that so much was going to have to be moved. And the other aspect of it that I that I focused on is uh, Congress's role, Um, because whenever in the past a president has moved this kind of money. He has gone to Congress, and it's not a law apparently that requires that, but it is a norm and a tradition that has, I am told, never been violated. And so if the president were to do it this time, it would be a first. And uh, I think there's a pretty good case to be made that it would tear a hole in the uh, fabric of cooperation between the White House and the, and the Congress, not just this White House and this Congress, but, pre- the, but, the, the, but the president and the legislative branch going forward and between the parties. There's a tradition of cooperation on these matters. Congress gave the president flexibility to move, mo- move money around as long as he came to Congress and, and, and asked permission, basically. And, but Trump is ignoring that, or plans to. Yeah, and we'll talk about that, too. But, you know, what surprised me when I read your great story on this is that this, was, this happened just days after the administration announced this plan of where they were going to, what pots of money they would use to fund the border wall. You would think somebody checked to see what accounts had what money available before they just come out and announce this thing. Do we have any idea? Did anybody check? I mean, did it come out of the blue to them that there's no, there's no money in this drug fund to even use? I mean, it's hard I to do- believe that the White House didn't know that. Going, <laughs> you know, what I, I, mean? I don't know what they knew and what they didn't. Although, in fairness to them, they did say that there wasn't two and a half billion dollars in that counter drug pot. In fact, they usually get about a billion dollars a year. So, um, so you know, it's not su- it's not surprising to those who have been covering it really closely that they were going to have to reprogram some money. But the fact that nearly all of it ne- needs to be reprogrammed from elsewhere was unknown. And you know what? 
I wonder how much of it got spent in the week or so between the announcement and, and my store. Because, like, for example, the Appropriations Committee told me on Thursday there was $85 million in it. The Pentagon had a press conference on Friday saying there's $80 million in it. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a mad scramble to start spending money as fast as possible before the administration before officials got around anymore. to it. Yeah. Right. So if they did know that a lot of this drug money wasn't actually available, though, it almost suggests that this whole plan of using the drug fund was something of a shell game, that it was, they would take it from somewhere else, put it into the drug fund, just so they, he had a legal way of seizing it from there to use for his border wall, right? Yeah, there's a law that says that that counter-drug money can be used for construction projects at other agencies. So that created sort of a legal vehicle for them to use. And the counter-drug uh, account is merely a vessel. And so, yeah, the money's just going to stay in there for one split second, and then they're going to move it out. So the then wall. maybe maybe the White House didn't even care how much money was in the drug fund because <laughs> they, they, they would just find some military money somewhere, put it into the drug fund just to be able to seize it for the border wall. Yeah. That's possible, yeah. at least, right? Either way, it was probably going to come from a relatively important program, okay? Fighting drug trafficking is not an insignificant issue in this country right now, okay? Right. So the counter-drug account is pretty darn important. But there's a lot of military programs that are important, and I'm not saying all of them are, you know, completely necessary. There's certainly some fat in the Pentagon budget, and maybe the president will move money from what he has called, you know, unnecessary programs into this counter-drug account and then quickly over to the wall. Uh, in yeah. other words, there might not be real pain. There might not be real bloodletting. But every one of these programs has a constituency. And, and oh, by the way, uh, last year, the president didn't say any of his budget requests was unnecessary or unimportant. Right. He said it was all needed. I know conditions can change. And I assume we have no idea where this $2.5 billion is, is actually going to come from now. We, we do not have an idea where it's coming from. And we don't have an idea when we're going to find out either. And then the other issue, I don't know if you were going to get into the military construction uh, yeah. piece of this, but $3.6 billion of wall money was supposed to come from military construction projects, and those have yet to be identified, too. Money that has not been spent uh, and that, that money for which they haven't uh, signed a contract yet. Um, and we know lawmakers are already very concerned about seizing the military construction money, and there's going to be a hearing this week, in fact, uh, with House appropriators grilling some Pentagon officials about where they expect to, what projects they expect to cut to get this $3.6 billion. Right. And, and, and the president wants to move the money without asking permission from Congress. So Congress doesn't necessarily have a say in, in what he does um, with, the, with the military construction money or with the counter-drug funding gambit. But Congress has ways of making the administration pay for... You know, in other words, they're going to have if, if a hole is dug in a program in physical 19, well, in physical 20, you'll you best believe there will be people who want to try to fill that hole back up. So it's going to have a ripple effect on the FY 20 budget. And I still say that the biggest consequence of this whole thing is the precedent that would be set by the president going around Congress, uh, whether you're talking about the emergency declaration for Milcon or the or the moving of the, the counter drug money that we talked about. It's just never happened before, and there's you need to have that kind of cooperation between the between the executive and the legislative right. branch. We should say lots of presidents have have used emergency declarations, but never in the situation where 
he asked Congress to fund something. Congress re- essentially refused or wouldn't fund as much. And then he declares an emergency declaration just to get around them. Yep. That's right. That's what's setting the precedent. Here. Right. right. And, then, and then on the counter drug money, uh, moving that much money without asking permission from Congress has also never happened. And that was another key part of my story. And I, I, I still maintain that this is the thing that when we look back, when historians look back on this incident, however it plays out, they'll focus on the precedent, on the relations between the presidency and the, and the legislative branch. Right. And of course, he, you, you say correctly that Trump could just seize whatever military construction money he wants, provided this emergency declaration actually holds. But of course, Congress is working to undo it. The House this week is going to pass this uh, resolution of disapproval, which is aimed at nullifying this whole thing. What are the prospects for that for that uh, resolution, John? Ultimately, the prospects are bad for it becoming uh, law. Uh, it may pass. The, it'll probably pass the House. Almost it, surely will. It almost yeah. surely will pass the House. I'm guessing there's a good chance it passes the Senate. But the president has already promised he'll veto it, and it appears extremely unlikely that, uh, that Congress will be able to muster enough votes to override that veto. Yeah, so I think they don't that, ju- that needs a two-thirds majority, not just a simple majority. That's right. And so I don't think that avenue is going to play out. And the courts, that will, what that will definitely do is delay the whole thing. But I'm not convinced that the president isn't going to win in the, court, in the court either. We'll have to see. And we should say that the 58 security officials uh, wrote a public letter opposing this emergency declaration because of the precedent that it would set. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a lot of people to weigh in, uh, bipartisan uh, Republican Chuck Hagel and Democrat Madeleine Albright and everybody in between. Yeah. I mean, even if you accept that there is an emergency which is a, a big if for a lot of people, going around Congress in this way is just, just kind of not how we do things in this country. Uh, that's as simply as I can put it. Yeah. The real consequences, you say, we're heading for lawsuits here. Uh, we've already got several lawsuits filed. There's more on the way. So a lot of this money could be tied up in court and frozen for a while, right? Absolutely, the whole, the whole project. And, and then that, that adds a cloud of uncertainty, you know, Uncertainty is the certainty here, right? Um, yeah. th- that that w- the the where six plus billion dollars of the Pentagon f- fiscal 2019 budget where it's going to go is going to be TBD for a while. Where is the cloud going to be? It's going to be over the FY20 budget process, which is about to get under underway. If if six billion dollars is still at play, and then granted it's not a huge amount in the in the context of a, of the Pentagon budget, but it's still real money, right? It's still a good chunk of change. It's though. a chunk of change. That's right. Where you know whether it's going to be subtracted or not is close to maybe ten percent of the defense budget. Or yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, you know it's gonna it will have a ripple effect as we go forward. So John, what what impact could this have then on future administrations if this holds and the emergency declaration stands? What are we going to see in the future? Uh, how how could other presidents use this now when when they're presenting budgets? Well, it's both the emergency declaration, which is which is needed for the shifting of military construction money, and this thing we talked about with the counter drug program, which is not reliant on an emergency declaration. It's, it's reliant on that provisional law that we talked about. You know, stepping back from the details, the precedent here is a president going around Congress uh, to move billions of dollars. And it's just never happened before. And I think that, you know, Republicans may look at this as a victory today, but uh, if, if Trump succeeds. But 
you know, down the line. Although I there's think, a lot of Republicans are uncomfortable with this. They are uncomfortable, um, and they have said so. But saying you're uncomfortable and doing something about it are two right, different right. things. Voting against, voting for example, for a resolution of disapproval. Right. Uh, we don't you know, know where they are on that yet. Right. But uh, yeah, and 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 they're one of the reason they are uncomfortable. Those who have said that they are, like for example, Susan Collins. The concern is that it may be a Democratic president next time, or who cares what the what the party of the president is. The idea is it'll it'll be easier for that future president to try to circumvent the will of the express will of Congress if Trump is able to get away with this. And that's something that isn't good for anybody. You know, we set up a system here where and it says in our Constitution that Congress, you know, is not alone, but with the president in charge of appropriations. And Congress gave the flexibility to the president to move money around as long as he comes to them for permission, okay? But, uh, it, so in other words, this is all done by cooperation. And, and what, actually what this whole thing has exposed, among other things that the Trump administration has done, is how we have relied on traditions and norms for a lot of things, assuming that the person in the White House is a good person and is going to kind of do the right thing. And that's what there's already been talk of maybe needing to revise this National Emergencies Act that, that gives the president the power to declare these emergencies. Right. And, and here's another the- possibility. Um, no one's said it yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if Congress considers putting into law that the president must go to Congress for reprogramming authority above a certain amount of money. Uh, right now, it's yeah. just a trad- tradition. Trump, if he if he pushes, continues to push this, may hurt his own flexibility and the flexibility of future presidents going forward if he triggers a congressional backlash. Uh, so the Pentagon will have to explain where all this money is going to come from as it tries to comply with Trump's emergency declaration. And Democrats are now going to begin their push to derail the entire plan this week. And of course, CQ will be covering all of that for you and more. My thanks again to John Donnelly, our defense reporter, for joining me. Thanks, John. My pleasure. And thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, you can stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and rate us on iTunes or find us on Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And for more budget news, you can subscribe to CQ.com or visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter. The handle is at CQNow or at RollCall. See you next week.